message to deliver. Probably about a year ago, the Hutchinsons began attending our church. And I remember first meeting Neil and big smile. Big smile, loves the Lord. And uh, he's immediately got involved in our church and his family. And Neil's involved in the Assiniboine Center at the hospital services once a month. He's also a small group leader. And I wanted you to hear his heart this morning. He loves the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves to share his faith in this Missionary Sunday. I want you to hear him share the message today. So Brother Neil Cummings, you come, let's give him a good hand. and Let's pray for him as he shares God's word this morning. God bless you, my brother. Let me greet you in the precious name of our very present and soon-coming Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I want to thank Pastor Gary for the opportunity to share what the Lord has placed on my heart. It has been a challenge to me, and I trust it will be a challenge to you today. Um, You know, as I come up here, there is a bit of nervousness. I think about the day Jesus rode into Jerusalem in John, the Bible says when he, was, he came in on a donkey and the people spread their garments so that the, you know, the Lord on the donkey rode in on the garments that people were spreading. And um, I don't want to make the mistake that the donkey made You see, as that was happening, the donkey said, thank you, thank you. Okay, Mr. Joe, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) Okay, it was for Jesus. So so is the the greeting, I take it, for him who lives in me and you. Um, So praise the Lord, I want to to share um, from 2 Kings chapter 7, and if you would, Look at Second Kings chapter 7 with me. I want to read from verse 3 to verse 16. It's an interesting story that, as I said, the Lord challenged me with, asked the question in, for me, and by extension, um, asking you to ask yourself that question, am I doing well? Am I doing well? And before we read Second Kings chapter 7 from verse 3 to verse 16, I want to, to pray just join me in prayer as you look to God to, to bless the moments as we go forward. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you, O God, for your presence. As you promise, wherever two or three are gathered in your name, you are right there in the midst. And O God, we know you are here, though we may not be able to touch or feel your, you, O God, we know that you are here by faith and We thank you for your presence, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray that the manifestation of your truth be real this morning. As it is written, Lord, the entrance of your word giveth light, and thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Let it be so in our hearts as we read your word this morning. Give understanding in Jesus' name. Amen. 2 Kings chapter 7 from verse 3 to verse 16, has a very interesting account. Um, 
Reading from the King James Version of the Bible, it says, And there were four leprous men at the entering in of the gate, and they said to one another, Why sit we here until we die? Verse 4, If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of the Syrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. And if they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go into the camp of the Syrians. And when they will come to the uttermost part of the camp of of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel had hired against us the kings of the Hittites and the kings of the Egyptians to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight and left their tents and camp as it was and fled to the fled for their life. Verse 8, And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried then silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it and came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. So they came and called unto the porter of the city and told told them, saying, We came to the camp of the Syrians, and behold, there was no man there, neither voice of man, but horses tied, and asses tied, and the tents as they were. And he told the porters, and, told, and they told it to the king's house within. And the king arose in the night and said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore, they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and Get into the city. And one of them, and one of his servants answered and said, Let some take, I pray thee, five of the horses that remain, which are left in the city. Behold, they are as all the multitudes of Israel that are left in it. Behold, I say, they are even as all the multitude of Israel, of of the Israelites that are consumed. And let us send and see. They took, therefore, two chariot horses, and the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see. And they went on after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste. And the messengers returned and told the king. And the people went out and spoiled the tents of the Syrians. So a measure of fine flour was sold for a shekel, 
and two measures of barley for a shekel, according to the word of the Lord. Amen? It's a very interesting story we see in Second Kings. In the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, the Bible tells us that whatsoever things were written aforetime was written for our instruction, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. It's written to guide us. It's written to give us hope. It's written to tell us the way to go. And when I look at Second Kings, I find a really good example of telling us the way to go. Second Kings chapter 7. In Romans chapter 10, it also says that how lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who bring good tidings of good news. Great joy is quoting from the book of Isaiah. And the Apostle Paul was saying it's a good thing. It's a lovely thing for those who carry the gospel. And on this Mission Sunday, that's the, the challenge that is there for me, and I am saying for every one of us by extension, to carry the good tidings. The gospel means good tidings. And I'm just reminding us of something probably we know very well already, but it has really been impressed upon my heart um, at this time to share this as it has been a challenge for me, to carry the good news. And we see in Second Kings reference to that, interestingly enough. But to give you a little background of Second Kings, it goes into chapter 6. Second Kings chapter 6 talks a little bit about where the city of Samaria was at. That city of Samaria was under siege. The Syrians encircled that city. It was part of the Israel kingdom to the north. They were surrounded. They, they, of course, the Syrians had the intention to plunder and destroy Samaria. And their strategy was to starve them out. Nothing could go in, nothing could come out. And as a result, the people in the city, waiting, trying to defend themselves, found themselves in a great famine. Of course, they were not serving God. They were not walking with God. They are the Israelites, but they had an ungodly king at the time. His name was Joram. And they, they were, you know, paganistic and into idolatry. And this was a consequence of that belief. God said, if you don't serve me, he will bring famine on you. There will be the curses, etc. And when you look into Samaria, the famine that they were experiencing could very well be considered God's word bringing to pass on them for their sin. But that's not all. I want to describe a little bit about the extent to which they were hungry. In Second Kings chapter 6, the Bible says that you know, there was exploitation taking place. They, they had in verse 25, here's what they are having for dinner. The Bible says that a donkey's head was was sold for 80 pieces of silver. Now, I don't know if you could imagine eating a donkey's head. 
But for the Israelites, that was not permitted. It was an unholy thing, and that was just another act of unholiness. But it was saying the extent to which they were hungry, and prices for anything that could be eaten went up through the roof. So donkey's head were sold for 80 pieces of silver, a cab of dove's dung, which was some sort of wild flower, grass as it were, they turned to eating grass, some said it was actually dove dung, but anyhow, it was sold for, for just a couple shekels, in verse 25. And um, they were being exploited in the situation, very hungry. They were also, they reached as bad that in Israel at the time, in Samaria, there was cannibalism that you wouldn't imagine. They were eating people. And, and the story goes on in verse 27 to verse 30, where there was two women with two children. And in the great hunger, they came to an agreement. One woman said, today let's eat your child, and tomorrow you're going to eat my child. That's cannibalism. But that's the desperate situation that they were faced with. So they agreed, the two women agreed, they took one of the children and boiled the child. That was dinner. It's in verse 27 to verse 30. And then the next day, time they, they're hungry still, and they, time for the other child to be boiled and eaten. And the woman hid her child. And now the lady whose child is already dead goes to complain to the king. And when the king heard it, you know, he was very angry. He was very distressed. And he made a promise I'm going to behead the person responsible for our famine. He didn't see himself as being responsible. He saw the prophet Elijah, Elisha, sorry, Elisha being responsible. He said, I'm going to behead him today before the sun goes down. And he, he, he moves immediately to go to kill Elisha. Now, that is just to paint the picture of how desperate, how hungry the people in the city were. And I'm saying, when he went to Elijah, Elijah said, tomorrow, tomorrow, the king arrives at Elijah's door, and a whole lot of things happen, but eventually Elijah said, tomorrow, this thing is going to end. That's the prophecy from God. He said, tomorrow, this thing is going to end. And you know, when I look at the passage, what was very interesting, taking 2 Kings chapter 6 with 2 Kings chapter 7 together, I saw that God's solution for that hungry city depended on four leprous men. God's solution for that hungry city depended on four leprous men. We just read it there that 
the four leprous men came through a situation after they decided they were outside of the city, but they came through a situation that is instructive to us. And, and that situation is summed up in verse 9 that I want to draw our attention to. Second Kings chapter 7, verse 9. I want to read it again. They were outside of the city and then they, they went to the enemy. And in verse 9, they came to a conclusion. Second Kings 7, 9. We do not well this day. This is a day of good tidings and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. They recognized that they were not doing well. How come? Well, you see, the city was in great hunger, famine. They were rejects. They were lepers. They were not allowed to live on the inside of the city with everybody else. It was a very contagious disease. So they were living on the outside. But they also feeling the effects of the famine. And they decided if they just sit there, they will die. But they, they recognized that probably if we go across to the enemy's camp, we might get something to eat. But then it's the enemy camp, so they will kill us. So they said, well, we'll die anyway. So let's go. The chances are we might get something to eat and we don't have to sit here and die suffering over a long period of time. And they went. And interestingly enough, when they went in the night, the camp was empty. And the Bible tells us they were going from camp to camp and they were eating, of course, filling themselves up and also finding precious things, gold, hiding it, putting it away. And they go to another tent and there was more because the enemy, God made them to flee. They fled. They, they ran in fear because they heard a noise that sounded like a greater army was coming against them. And um, in the midst of them satisfying themselves, filling their stomachs, or as we say, filling their faces, they stopped. Consciousness hit them and they said, we are not doing right. Cannibalism is taking place in the city. People are dying of hunger and we are fooling ourselves. We should really go back and say something. And I suppose they were thinking too, the daylight will eventually come and when the daylight comes, you know, the king would, would wonder why they didn't come back and say something before they might be executed. So they recognized they were not doing well, and if they waited till the morning, evil will befall them. The point, the, the idea is as well, just as God's solution for the multitude, therefore depending on those four leprous men, taking that message back to the king of Samaria, is also simply for us as well, God's solution for our community, our city, the world that is in trouble, Depend on ordinary Christians, you and me, ordinary Christians, taking the good news to our community, to our city, to the world. You see, the thing is, the world, the city, the community, 
is hungry for the word of God. They are dying. Men and women, children are dying daily from hunger. And not physical hunger, but not having the bread of life. The Bible says, man shall not live by bread alone. We have people being fed, the children are fed, but that does not give life. Man lives by every word that proceeds forth from the mouth of God. And you and I, having that word, we come to one service, we could fill up ourselves, and then go home, and then come to another service, fill up ourselves, eat our faces full. If we don't go and share the things that we have heard, the word that we have received, we are not doing well. God is saying to me, I need to take that word out. God's solutions depends on ordinary Christians, like you and me, taking that word out. If we don't do it, we are not doing well. And therefore, the obvious question comes, looking at their actions, we could be guided by it. This is how this is written for our instructions. That we, through patience and comfort, might have hope as we look at the... Because what they did, they had good news. They had good news, just as we have good news. And the response they had is the response we should have. And this is what I want to point to. What must we do, therefore, that we could be doing well? Well, the first thing I want to point out is we need to speak out and share the good news now. In verse 9, the four leprous men said, Now therefore come. And I want to focus on the word now. Now is the time for us to act. They recognized that delay would bring evil upon themselves. And, and God is saying to me, delay, not taking this word out, would bring judgment on ourselves. The Bible tells us in the book of Ezekiel that God calls us, in a sense, watchmen. He spoke of watchmen in Ezekiel. And it says, you know, if as a watchman, you, you see judgment coming, and you do not warn the people about the, income, the, un, the judgment that is afoot that's coming, then their blood is going to be on my hands. I am a watchman, and I consider every believer as a watchman as Ezekiel has it. And we need, therefore, to warn, to sound without delay, just as that watchman... When he sees the enemy from afar off, he sounds a horn. Let me tell you, God is coming with judgment. The Bible says that, you know, Jesus will come. He will take the church away. Then there's going to be judgment thereafter. The, the Bible also says the judgment could be in another form. When we die, it's appointed unto men once to die. In Hebrews it says that, and after that comes the judgment. So that we don't know which will hit first, whether death might take someone 
or we don't know whether Jesus will return sooner than we might have anticipated. Jesus is coming. And it could be today. It could be in the morning. And hence the reason for us not to delay, but to go with the word as quickly as we can. The Bible says in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, Now is the day of salvation. Now. It also says, Jesus encouraging his disciples, he said this to them in John chapter 4, verse 35. He said, Say not there are yet four months and then there is harvest. He said, Lift up your eyes. Look on the fields. They are white, ready for harvest. Meaning, don't say I have time. Let me put in the sickle and reap now. Don't delay is the encouragement by Jesus. He encourages disciples to reap now. And I am believing God is saying to us, reap now. As we look around us in our community, <clears throat> in our workplace, in our churches, in our schools, wherever it might be, we need to be reaping now. Now is the harvest. There are persons among us, there are persons around us who need to hear this gospel now, not later. And the scripture says, therefore, in Hebrews 3, verses 8 and 9, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. And, and that's, a, that's a challenge for us. Now is to respond. The, Paul, the first man, said, now, therefore, come. Let's not delay. Delay is not good. And so for us today, you know, in, there's this story of a missionary in the Amazon. Far up in the Amazon jungle, she was teaching the love of Jesus to children. And she was using the flannel graph to demonstrate the story. And as she was teaching this to the children there, an elder in that village came up, an old gray-haired man, and he sat and he watched the lady, the missionary, go through the entire motion. Listen to the entire story and at the end came up to her and asked her a question. Is it true? Is this story true? She said, of course it is. And she started to go on. And she said, he said, no, this could not be true. He said, this is the first time I've heard this story. I never knew, <clears throat> excuse, that I needed to trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior to get into heaven. Never heard it. He said, it can't be true. And then he went on. He said, my mother died. My father died. They lived here their life. They didn't hear it. My grandfather, he lived here, didn't hear it. He died. No, this cannot be true. If it was true, you would have come sooner. You would have come sooner. And to me, that's the lesson for us. Not to delay. Let me tell you. Is the story of Jesus' love true? Does Jesus really save from sin? Does he save you from hell, which is real? Does he save you from an eternal damnation? Can he deliver you from the 
vagaries of life. It's not just a smooth bed when you come to Christ, I must admit. But with the help of Jesus, you have a sure hope to overcome every problem. No matter what the problem is, Jesus is the answer. Is that true? If it is, then we must go as soon as we can. So the, 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 the four leprous men recognized this. And they said, Know therefore, come. Know therefore. So that's the first thing that, that, that struck me. We need to go now. The second thing that I wanted to, to point out quickly there is what they said. Not just now therefore come, but they also said that we, that we, they agreed it was not an individual effort, but it was a collective effort. We have to go. All of us, we have the information. Let us go. And my point here is simply, each one of us is called to be a missionary. Each one of us must be involved in missions. Missions is not just for the missionaries that might be going abroad we, we, or going on some far place. We, have, we support missionaries and we hear uh, um, Sister Lorraine going to Romania and, and we think that's missions. And missions is not just for those. Missions take place right in our neighborhood. The man next door or the man across the street, he is hungry too. He needs or she needs the word of God. That's my mission field. In school, the persons that are sitting in the class with me, they are hungry for the Word of God. They need the bread of life to live. Judgment is coming. Their time might be cut off sooner than you think. They need to hear this good news. That's your mission field. That's my mission field. On the job, working with men that are lost, that are going to, not heaven, to hell, by virtue of their life, and, you know, no concern for Christ, no faith in Christ. If they die now without knowing Christ, they will go to a Christless eternity. That's my mission field. That's your mission field. You are a missionary too. It's not just those like, I think it's Pastor Olan, you say, we say, he's a missionary. Oh, he's in Hamiota and he's sharing. Brandon needs the gospel. The city needs the gospel. And God is depending on us. Ordinary Christians, just like the four leprous men to take this gospel. Everybody. I am sick, that's not an excuse. So was the four leprous men. They had leprosy. Sick. And God was depending on them to take the good news to a dying city. 
They will reject, oh, well, nobody will hear me. I am poor. I am not well-educated. Oh, these four leprous men were rejects. They were outside of the city. They lived outside. They didn't want them inside. God wanted them to take the good news. God wants me and you, ordinary Christians, to take the good news. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the Bible tells us that those who are called are not many wise, not many noble, not many eloquent and, and, and rich. He called the humble things and the rejected things and those that are virtually not of the upper class of society. He called those to carry the good news and the wisdom of God. I see that as us. And God is depending on us for the salvation of the people in Brandon. Ordinary Christians, our mission field is not far away. It's right here. Oh yes, it could be far away in the sense that, okay, it's all over the world. And we have some among us that have gone very far. But right here as well. We are all missionaries. It's not just for a few. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. Matthew 28. It says, go. Everybody is not just um, a selected few. But he commanded all of us. To go into all the world. So that's the encouragement that I am challenging us. Not only did they, did they recognize the need to go now. Not they only they recognized all of them needed to go. We now come therefore. Let us or we must. But they needed to, to, to go to the people. And that's the next one. Come let us go. In verse 9. It says that. They came to that decision. When they realize they weren't doing well, they recognize the need, the need to go, that we may go. We have to approach persons. We have to be active, not passive. Passivity is, is, is good and supportive, but when you look at Jesus' style of outreach, he was active. He broke norms. And I'm saying we have to break norms as well. We have to break norms as well. And I'm saying some of the norms that I am working with and struggling with has to do with, okay, how about house to house in my neighborhood? How about house to house in your neighborhood? How about the track ministry on the job? You know, I know we did track ministry when we had gone out to, the church had gone out to the fair and that was a forum that tracts were shared and so on and the, the testimony was shared but the encouragement for me and I am saying by extension as I'm sharing with you, you, is everywhere, on the job, in the schools in the neighborhood that's my mission field to share the tracts there of the good news of Jesus Christ we have to be active and Sometimes the Lord allows us to go through trouble to give us a new mission field in the hospital. Or I needed to be relocated because I can't keep 
there or I can't keep there. I need to change location. And the reason why I change location or he, he caused me to change location is because he put me in a new mission field. New neighborhood. Because there's somebody in there that desperately needs Jesus. People need to hear it. And on this mission Sunday, that's the encouragement. We need to, to act, to go to them. Not wait for them to come, but carry the gospel to them. Here's what Jesus said in John 20, 21. As the Father sent me, so send I you. Go. Jesus came to the well, and he broke the norm at the well. What was the norm? A Jewish man should not talk to a woman normally. And worse yet, when that woman is a Samaritan. And he broke the norm, and he spoke to her. The disciples came, and none of them were saying anything. Because they're saying, what's going on here? What's he doing talking to that woman? She needed the water of life. He was active. He had a strategy. Give me some water, he said. And that started the conversation. Jesus knew where he was going. And that's why I was saying we need to break norms. We need to start that conversation to go somewhere. We have an intent to get the gospel to that person, just as Jesus did. He didn't waste any time. And with the help of the Holy Spirit, we must not waste any time. You know, the story is told of an evangelist. His name is Tom Carter, who was in Pennsylvania, and he was having some outreach meetings there. And who came to assist in the meeting was this pastor from the community. And they were going through the meetings night after night, and bam, there was a murder in the city. The city was disturbed, and they asked the evangelist and the pastor to go talk to the guy that was held for the murder. It was a bitter scenario. So they went and they spoke to the man in prison. And sure enough, before long, he gave his life to Christ. The man gave his life to Christ. And then he approached the pastor. And he, this is the words he said to the pastor. You know, I lived next to you for several months. Had you come to me with this gospel, I could have not been a murderer. But that pastor never went. And it was only in prison that he saw the guy and shared the good news with him. Then he gave his life to Christ. Simple point, we need to go. Not only we need to go without delay, and all of us, but, in, you know, the final point is we need to tell. Tell. Now, therefore, verse 9, here's what they came to the conclusion. When they realized that they were not doing well, he said, Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. The four lepers went and they told the king's household. Of course, they didn't believe the king's household. The king's household thought it was a big scam. So, lots of discussion. In the end, they verified it. So too, when you and I go, it's going to be, oh, this is religion. This is a scam. 
This is just to get the money from my pocket. Oh, there's so a lot of excuses. Our job, our call, our mandate, our command from Jesus is go and tell. That's what we have to do. Go and tell. Of course, we pray, we bathe it in prayer, we strategize with the help of the Holy Spirit, but we must go. When you go, tell them what Jesus Christ has done. You see, because people need the Lord. People are hungry, but they want the gospel. We know that. And we must go. Overcome the fears. I am saying the challenge for us is just like the Israelites. They had to overcome fears. God was disappointed in them. Let me take a moment to say this. How was God disappointed in them? You see, when God took them from Egypt to carry them to, to the land of promise, they came to the threshold and they needed to go over. But when the spies that they sent in to check out the land came back, the spies said there were giants in the land. They're too big for us. We cannot overcome them. And, and they did not believe the promise that is yours. And God was not pleased, the Bible said. God almost consumed them that night because of that. For us, people or neighbors, or schoolmates, classmates, or colleagues, they look like giants. And they might give the face, I don't need anything that you have to offer. I don't want your Jesus. Let me tell you, they need him. And they are like that giant, but we must have faith in Christ. And go to them in the love of Christ to share the good news, to share the gospel, to share the tidings. The bread of life came and loves you. That's our challenge. We must go and tell them. Tell them about your, what Jesus has done for you. Tell them about his love for you. Tell them what you know. Not what he has done for somebody else, but what he has done for you. What has Jesus done for you? If you have encountered Jesus, that's the story you're going with. This was my encounter. And this is simply my encouragement to you. We need to go and tell. You know, Jesus had an encounter with a man of the Gadarenes. You know the story? Well, I'm sure. He was possessed with demons and so strong, chains couldn't bind him. He lived in the tombs. And Jesus came in there, set him free. Jesus is chased away now from the Gadarenes. And as he's going, the man comes to Jesus and says, Let me go with you. And Jesus says, no, go back and tell these people what God has done for you. He did not take him with him. Go back into your community. Go back where you came from. In Mark chapter 5, verse 18 to 19, you'll see the story. Jesus says, go back. And Jesus is saying to us, now therefore come, that we may go and tell. In closing, we must search our own hearts. And we must answer that question. Am I doing well? Am I doing well? That's what the four leprous men needed to come to. They decided when they recognized they weren't doing well, this was their statement. Now, therefore, come that we may go and tell the king's household. That's the challenge to you. I just want to close in a song as we are going to sing. We have a story to tell. We have a real story to tell. And as we are going to sing, if you...
feel challenged by God, you need to repent in your own hearts. That's between you and God. If you need prayer, I want to encourage you, come. And we could pray together. I need courage. And I imagine every one of us with that resolve need courage. The Apostle Paul asked for prayer. He said, pray that I will get the boldness to share this gospel with those around. Where are you today? Why don't you stand with me and let's sing this together.